Jesus is the light of the world. We all have heard that in church, right? I mean, that's pretty straight. You want a free Bible? Yeah, please take them all. Pass them out on the streets. <laughs> um, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is a light that judges perfectly. And Jesus is a beautiful light. I think there's something very quickly we all realize as we get older. We realize that there's much darkness in this world. We realize that there's much pain, there's, there's much suffering. And there's a lot of things that you re-experience as a parent. So one of the things you re-experience as a parent is that children are afraid of the dark. So every night when we put my two daughters to bed, we got to put on the Miley Cyrus nightlight. And the bathroom light has to be on exactly 45 degrees. So it's pointing exactly on their bed because they're afraid of the dark. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of the unknown. They're afraid they can't see. They're afraid they're going to get up and not know where they're going. They're afraid of monsters. Now, I asked my daughter's permission to share this next thing. If you're my daughter, my daughter's afraid of E.T. And it's my fault. I thought it would be a good idea because E.T. seemed like such a good family movie to me when I was younger. I think Donna took it to me. My first movie, I went to see E.T., and I thought it was the greatest movie. I thought it was a family movie. I thought it was a kid movie. So Talia's three years old, and it's Dada Day. I'm babysitting. But it's not babysitting when you parent. And my wife tells me that, and other people tell me that. So me and Talia, I think, this is great. Let's watch a movie together. E.T. seemed like a good pick at the time. Put E.T. on, and I decided to go make a sandwich because the kitchen's right here. So my three-year-old daughter, who I love with all my heart, is watching E.T., and you know that scene at the beginning with the woods? Everything's dark. There's all these noises. And she was mesmerized, man. She was looking at it. And I couldn't tell if she liked it, hated it, or what was going on. But she was afraid, and she kind of liked it. But she didn't know what to do because all these emotions were new to her. Me being a foolish dad and making foolish mistakes at times. I said, this is going to be a great movie. We watched the whole movie of E.T. She didn't respond much. There might have been <laughs> a few of those going on. The movie ended. I still thought she liked it. She said, I'll watch it again. We started again. Partway through it, she made me shut it off. I say all that to say this, that my daughter is viciously, tremendously afraid of E.T. now because of me. She thinks he could be in the room if the lights are not on. She once, and this is not a fabricated story, woke up in the middle of the night with a nightmare and said, Papa is outside dressed as E.T., This is my life. And I just had to look at myself as a dad and say, what's wrong with you? But the truth is, we're afraid of the dark as children. But as we get older, we might not be afraid if the nightlight's not on or if the light's not on. But spiritual darkness brings much fear into our life. There's not a man or woman on earth that does not have things they are afraid of. And we're afraid of a different type of darkness. We're afraid of tragedy. Like we've seen tragedies happen in the news. And what happens when you see a tragedy? You see that kind of darkness. You say, what if that happens to me? What if that happens to my children? What if that happens in my town? Sometimes we're afraid of death. We say, man, this is kind of strange that you only live so long. What is on the other side 
of the grave. Sometimes we're afraid because we fully don't understand God and who he is and what his nature is. And that brings fear into our life. Sometimes we're afraid because of the darkness within us, because of our own actions and our own thoughts. And we say, where did that come from? Or why did I do that? And today I want to bring you some hope. If you were going through a dark time in your life, I want you to see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. If you don't know which way to turn or which way to go and you're finding yourself confused, I want you to see the path to salvation in Jesus Christ as the light of the world who brings us out of darkness and calls us to glorious light in himself, the light of life. So let's turn. I'm going to read the text today. Do it a little differently. I'm going to read the whole text, and then we're going to hit some major points in the text. But you know what? I don't have to read that again because Joffrey just read that for half an hour. And so I'm just going to get right into it. (coughs) So the first thing you've got to realize is that there is darkness in this world and that you need a light. But rather than being too broad, and we all understand there's darkness with pain, suffering, death, and all those things in sin, I want to be specific to the text in this way. There's two very specific manifestations of darkness in this text. And the first one is, is that the religious leaders are evil and have horrible intentions and are living for their own glory. And they're not teaching people who God is rightly. And that is not just in this day, in this culture, in that time. That happens even today. There is nothing worse than when our religious leaders are teaching a God that is not taught in the Bible. That it, they teach a God that is almost like an abusive father. That is a God, some sort of just God that does not empathize with our frailties, with our weakness, with our pain. And that he's just up above looking at us and waiting for us to break the law and to fall short so we can cast us into darkness. This is what the Pharisees were teaching. They were teaching condemnation. They were teaching death. Rather than people running to them as reflections of the light to find out who God was, they wanted to stay away from them because they knew they were going to accuse them. They were going to judge them. Like last week, they were going to bring them out in the streets so that they could be put to death. Much darkness comes when religious leaders don't know God and don't teach God rightly. And we see Jesus over and over again, even this text, what does he say? He says, you don't know God. Because if you know God the Father, you would know that I am his son. You guys would be blown away, we all would be blown away at how many men are in pulpits and leading religious institutions who do not even know God. And I don't say that in a way as certain people are better than others, but even statistically lately, they did a study And how many pastors, without giving their names, said, I'm still keeping the possession, I'm still preaching on Sundays, but I don't even believe anymore. These men, who are supposed to be the men who are supposed to show, show people and lead people to God, don't even know God. Just because a man wears a robe or just because a man has a title does not mean that he knows God the Father, the Father of mercy, grace, and love. These men should have known 
that God was gracious and kind and loving and compassionate. Because even before Jesus, he showed that through his actions. When the first humans sinned and disobeyed God, he did not destroy him. Rather, he sent them out of a perfect paradise, the perfect garden, and said, I will send a Messiah to save you who will crush the head of the enemy. Even when man was totally caught up in violence and their imaginations were evil, he did not destroy the whole earth, but kept a remnant so that he could show himself through them and start all over again and show his grace to generations. Being the people of God, the people of Israel, they should have known that God loved them in a very unique way. He showed them grace and compassion and put the sacrificial systems into place so they could atone for their sins, so they could come to the temple. He gave them mediators so they could come and worship God and be holy through the sacrificial system. They should have known that God was gracious and God was kind and God was loving and God wanted to bring them to himself. So when there is great darkness, many times the religious leaders are adding to the pitch black atmosphere by teaching God in a way that he should not be taught. And we see this over and over again. You should be alarmed. I mean, I'm alarmed because I'm preaching many times in these texts. And it seems like every time the religious leaders are in a conf- confrontation with Jesus. Are they not? It's almost every week. I'm saying the Pharisees are mad at him. They're trying to kill him. They're upset. They think he's out of line. And Jesus is teaching them about God. That should be alarming here. Jesus came to overcome that darkness, to be the perfect spiritual leader. Jesus is the perfect light to run to. I cannot tell you how many people's lives have been devastated from churches who have been led by men who are living in darkness themselves. I could sit up here and honestly tell you over 50 to 100 stories of people who have spent years of their life trying to be healed emotionally and spiritually because their leaders lived in darkness, taught darkness, and abused them spiritually. There is great darkness when our religious leaders bring that kind of atmosphere. And we'll get into a lighter part. We'll get there. Secondly, something we see here is Jesus says to them, you are in sin and you will die in your sin if you don't put your faith in me. So something that's very popular in our day and age is we don't sin anymore, right? We make mistakes. There's no such thing as sin. Like the woman last week, I didn't commit adultery. I made a mistake. No, you deliberately sinned. No, I didn't lie about my finances. It was a mistake. No, you deliberately sinned. I didn't, sh- I didn't gossip about that person. I didn't spread rumors about that person. That's just a mistake. No, you're sinning. There is nothing wrong with owning your sin. As a matter of fact, it's so important to your spiritual life and your being that you confess your sin to God and you don't deny it. An important part of your life is confession and repentance. God knows our hearts. He knows our actions. You can't hide that from God. Confess your sins to a loving God because that's why he went to the cross because he knew we were sinners. And it's through confession and repentance that we find the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sin 
brings great darkness. We always want to blame God for things. We blame God for murder, right? And it's people who are murdering each other. We blame God for wars when we're the one waging the wars. We are sinners, and much sin entered the world when our first, when the first humans, Adam and Eve, sinned. Sin entered, death entered, strife entered. All those things entered, and sin brings a dark spiritual atmosphere. And it's so important that we see that there is darkness in order to run to the light. Because the last thing you want to do is run to the light and have him cast you back out into the darkness. But a beautiful thing that Jesus says right here, he says that I don't judge like the Pharisees according to the flesh. I came here to judge no one. And I just want to unpack that a little bit. First of all, Jesus wants to make the point that he's not judging like the Pharisees. And you've got to understand, this conversation is an extension of last week's conversation. It's right after um, what had happened with the woman caught in adultery. So he's still on that theme of judgment. And he's saying, I don't judge like you guys judge. I want to, I'm here to tell you right now, I'm here to free you from something. You guys judge horribly. I judge horribly. I judge with a two-by-four in my own eye. I judge people for the same sins I'm guilty of. Do you know that I get impatient with people who do the same things I do? That's why Jesus said, you have a plank in your own eye, not just a twig. You got a two-by-four across your whole face, and you're not judging rightly. Don't waste your time judging other people. These Pharisees, they're judging according to the flesh. He's saying, I don't judge like you or me. I don't judge like the Pharisees. I judge perfectly. You know how we're called to relate to other people? We're not called to judge them. We're called to pray for our enemies. We're called to pray for those who what? Spitefully use us. But what do we want to do? We want to grab that stone just like last week and start judging people according to the flesh. We got to put down that stone and start responding to people like God has responded to us. And how has God responded to us? If we were judged according to our works, according to our flesh, we would only get wrath and punishment. But God has judged us according to his love and it's undeserved. And that's how we can deal with other people. It changed my life when I realized I don't have to judge everyone. I don't have to go home after church, sit at my lunch table with all my friends and just start lining people up. That's what we do, right? Line them up. What's wrong with them? Line her up. What's wrong with her? No, I can say I have been forgiven of so much. His love towards me is undeserved. And that's how I can respond to other people. I can love them. I can pray for them. I can care for them. That's so important. So important. It's going to bring joy into your life. There's a reason I preach these things. So you find joy. Now this is a judge you want to go into his court. And we had a whole message just on God being a righteous judge. So I don't want to rehash all that. But we know that when is the last time you've been in a court and you're guilty of the crime and the judge is pleading with you 
you take the pardon, and he's the one who paid the punishment. That's the kind of righteous judge Jesus is. I want you guys to see him as that righteous judge, the light you can run to. He's not here to condemn you. <clears throat> and that's why he says, I judge no one. So that can get confusing, right? Because Jesus is the judge. He will judge the living and the dead. We will all stand before him, be judged according to our faith in him or according to our works. <clears throat> but what he's trying to say here is his mission was to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't come to bring condemnation, but he came to bring salvation. He came to be a light to those who are caught, caught in darkness. And he's calling to all of us who are caught in darkness and saying, come to the light. Now, some people might think this message is only for people who don't believe in Jesus, right? That's what we hear when we hear Jesus is the light of the world. If you're lost, if you're confused out there, if you don't know, come to Jesus. He's the light. Absolutely. But we forget that those who also believe in Jesus, we need the light just as much. We'd be lying to each other if we believe and if we try to put off that we are not sometimes caught in darkness ourselves. In seasons where we feel such depression, such anxiety, such confusion that we don't know where to go, we don't know what to do. We've all felt that, right? If I'm honest with you guys, I've been going through a season the last month. It's been tough. Um, I feel like I'm just in a dark place. You guys know how you, everything's great. God's been good to you. You love your friends. You love your family. But you feel like something ain't right. And the only thing that has kept me hopeful, the only thing that has built me up, the only thing that has kept me from really going too low, is the fact that I look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and I realize that he is my light in the darkness. And you have to rehearse that gospel daily. We're in a world full of darkness. Our emotions are dark. We're going crazy. Our mind is confused. We need to bring the truth and the light of Jesus in daily. We need to be in that word or we need to be around community. How much light is given and shown when we're in community. I can't explain it to you. We took four weeks off from home group, right? I felt it. So I'm going through darker times, and I needed to be around my brothers and sisters in the faith and talk about following Jesus. And I need to say, guys, I'm struggling with this. Give me some encouragement. Pray for me. And I felt the weight of that. But when I was back in home group this past Thursday, because we took some time off for the holidays, when I came out of that, I felt like I was around just light. I felt like my darkness had gone away. I just felt all the hope of that. We, even though the guys went down in Michael Spurlock's pace and we had home group around the pool, a public pool, indoor, and some guy walked up and said, what do you got, smoking a blunt? I said, no, we're having a home group, Bible study. But I felt so much light because I'm in a place of darkness. We need the word of God. We need the gospel and we need community because there's times of such great darkness in our life that we need the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm an electrician, so I can't get through these messages without using analogies from my profession because I'm bivocational. And I've never had someone, when I go to their house, I've never had them ask me to mount a light in the floor. You never walk into the kitchen. They say, right over here. Where do you want to put it? Right here in the middle of the hardwood floor of the kitchen. Mount a recessed light right in there. Make it shine up. 
They always want it, what? Lifted up. They always want it in the ceiling. They always want it if they got the cathedral ceiling. They want it right at the peak in the middle so it shines down on everybody. Jesus is the light of the world. He has been lifted up for all the world to see. Do you realize that Jesus is the most influential person who has ever lived? He's been dead for 2,000 years. We know he's alive now, resurrected. But as a man, he died 2,000 years ago. And he is still the most controversial and influential person who ever lived. His word and his light through the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of his witnesses, his disciples, has been spread throughout the whole world. To the point now, it's only a very small percentage of people who actually have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, or at least heard the name of Jesus. He's been lifted up, like he said to these Pharisees, I will be lifted up for all the world to see. Everyone has an opportunity to look to this light, to come out of darkness, to run to him, to be saved, to find truth, to find life, to find guidance. The gospel is powerful. When you look at that cross, when you look at the work of Jesus, you can always find something that's new and beautiful and powerful and life-changing. My daughter asked me, I was reading, I'm reading a book called the Gospel is God, God by John Piper. So I'm, when I'm reading these books, my daughter's always asking me, what's that book? What's that book? And I told her it's about the gospel. It's about how when you look at that gospel, it's so beautiful and it brings you to God. And we talk about how many, there's so many different things. It's not only that God forgave us. It's that God brought us to himself and that God defeated death so we'll have eternal life. And that God, there's so many things. You can talk for the rest of your life and never realize, really catch every facet of the gospel and how beautiful it is. When we look at this light, we are changed. Now, do you guys think that God is happy? Think God's glad? Or we just think God just kind of stern, some stern dude just sitting on a throne looking at, you know? What do you think of God? Do you realize that God is glad, that he's happy, that he finds joy? And what are one of the things that God found great joy in? His son. He was pleased with every move, every word, every action of Jesus. When he looked at the work Jesus was doing on the cross, he found pleasure and satisfaction in it. And beautifully, we get to participate in the same pleasure, not as God the Father, but as his children who are beholding the Son and everything he did for us. Because when you see the cross, what do you realize? That God is a loving, compassionate, and holy God. You can never look at that cross and say God's vengeful. He's unfair. He's dark. Some people teach that God is the actual darkness that we need to get away from. When you look at that cross, you see the very nature and person of God. You see that he's for you and he loves you and he's willing to be humi- was willing to be humiliated, beaten, murdered, and suffer and ridiculed in your place and show that light to everyone. Now, we love beautiful lights. I think that's safe to say. At Christmas, what do we do? We drive down, down the Linfels Parkway and we see that house where they get carried away and put way too many lights every year. And it's a great time to ride down the street, ride up the, you know, just see beautiful lights. 
This year, many of us went down the Wakefield Lake, and we saw the fireworks, and we got an extra benefit because the fireworks were going on, the lightning was going off over here at the lake. It was just unbelievable. We're like, wow, this is beautiful. We have the sun and the moon. But the truth is, my, my favorite light in nature is the moon. I think it gets a bum deal. I think the sun gets all the credit. I really do. I love looking at the moon. My daughter, Kara, too, she's been fascinated with the moon since she was little. I love the moon because I feel like the day settled down. You know what I mean? When you wake up in the morning, you've got so much to do, so many responsibilities, maybe worries and anxieties of the day. But everything's settled down. I've got a nice big backyard, and I sit on the little porch, and you, you can see the moon from there. And it's just so settled down, it's dark, and you can really see the moon. And the moon's not boring. It takes different shapes and stuff, you know, stuff like that. Talking like a goofball up here. But I just love to sit there sometimes and spend 10, 20 minutes sometimes with my daughters and sit there and watch that great light. And it brings me a lot of peace. When we behold beautiful things, and I've said this before, it brings you peace. You can't fully explain it. People have gone to the Grand Canyon. They usually don't go there, look at the Grand Canyon, and say, man, I'm real anxious, and let you all on the edge. But you see beautiful things, and it changes you. We're meant to look at the beautiful light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be changed every day. This is not even something that we just look at once a week. This is something we're meant to behold every day, to look at a God who loved us and cared for us and died for us. Now, I want to make sure I hit this again, encourage those who are in darkness, because oftentimes we don't think that there's anyone in here that's going through a real dark, dark time, right? We're Christians. We're supposed to be in here. Everyone's supposed to skip out of here and go lick lollipops and stuff. (laughs) Ridiculous, right? But we go through dark times, and there's people in here who are going through dark, dark times. I don't want you to think that there's no hope. I want you to be able to know that Jesus is passionately for you, that he's with you, that he cares for you, that you might be confused about a few things, and that God can make those things clear to you so light brings clarity so you can find your path. And I want you to be encouraged by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally... We're called to be lights, right? Joffrey read that beautiful verse where he said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father which is in heaven. But we know ultimately that we are not the light, the ultimate source of light. We're more like reflections of the light to a dark and dying world. So, and it's my final story of the message. I'm full of stories today. I take my daughters, they're a big part of my life, so they're part of every story I share, <laughs> down to Reading IMAX. Do you guys know the waterfalls that go up and the lights come through it? And so we sit there and they play the music and you give them way too many jelly beans and you watch the, the lights and it's beautiful and the lights are shining through the water and you see those reflections. I would think of ourselves more as the water that the light's shining through and it's beautiful. Because it brings you, we know the source is Jesus. And we're called to shine to this world as the gospel of Jesus Christ reflects off us and shines through us. 
Because many people will teach that you're the source of light. There's, there's great good inside of you. The good just has to get outside. There's not good inside of you. There's darkness, I'll tell you that much. There's only good inside of you when the Holy Spirit comes in, resides with you, changes your heart, changes your mind, gives you a new life, and you become a new creation in him. And through the power of God and the power of the gospel, that shines through you, and people see that something has changed. Not that you're perfect, but the light and the love of God is shining through your life. So Restoration Road, I want to encourage you to be lights in this world. Now, we're not perfect lights, and I don't want anyone ever to hear that, to think that we can only tell people about Jesus, only share with people about the gospel when we have our lives in line and straight and perfect. You're never going to have your life in line, straight and perfect. You're never going to be sinless. Now is the time to come to Jesus and come to that light and share about that light. I can't tell you how much people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, just in people seeing people commit suicide. Just seeing people in mass depression. Just seeing people who are addicted to drugs. You know that people are addicted to drugs because there's so much darkness. They need to feel that light, you know, that relief for a little bit of what? A little bit of time. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ so bad. So I want you to feel the weight that there is darkness in this world, that you have the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to share that with people. Amen.